Welcome to the WXYNZ Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Whitley Rainwater, and with me are your co-hosts, Zan Mangum and Zane Smith. We are firing up episode 11 of the podcast. We're live as always. I've got my buddies Zane and Chad with me. They've recently experienced opposite ends of the fantasy football emotion scale, let's say. Pure euphoria and um, also some deep, dark pain. And um, so I'm going to start it with Zane and kind of to set Zane up here. Everyone's familiar with the, the PUP list. And Zane recently was on the EUP list, the the, <laughs> the uh, emotionally una- unable to perform and was questionable to even return to the podcast tonight. Um, so I'm going to warn our listeners, like we're talking through raw emotions of the roller coaster, which is a fantasy football season. We have real people, real feelings involved. We don't claim to be experts. We just love fantasy football, talking ball. And we are highly invested in our teams emotionally. Lots of fantasy experts have hundreds of teams. They're numb to what happens um, because they just have multiple shares of every single player. But that's not us. So we're going to we're going to go through the the fantasy highs and lows. So, uh, Zane, just kind of tell us tell us what's happened. Oh, man. So, you know, I felt great about my team. I don't even think I mentioned this on the podcast that we did the rankings. I think I left mine off, but uh, Fantasy Pros had me as the top seed. And here we are in week two. You know, as you know, we do a median uh, win. So you can earn two wins per week. Uh, I'm sitting in a deep, dark cave at 0-4. <laughs> just off to a horrendous start. And uh, the first week, my team just kind of took a poop in his pants. This past week, you know, I kind of got everything I could have asked for. I got 70 points out of my three receivers, uh, which was pretty nice. Even had Ramadre go for 15, which is like all I can ask for out of a running back when I'm built around receivers. And then, you know, sadly, there's just little little mistakes made. I watched Justin Fields throw two INTs on his last like three passes, I think, <laughs> died four points. Uh, the Broncos defense made so many mistakes on the way and just got railed and yeah, man, I, I needed Miles Sanders to get me 15 and he didn't come close. And so Whitley not only beat me this week, but it was me and him. Whoever won this matchup was going to get the median. So, <laughs> so he got the two and no swing. I got the O and two. It had to be one of us. Unfortunately, the situation came down to that. Um, so no love lost at all. You know, it, it, it didn't matter which way it went. Obviously, um, that doesn't mean that there's not a tremendous amount of pain <laughs> involved. I yeah. went, I went, I went dark mode for the past 24 hours and just <laughs> kind of set set the darkness and just dwelled on it. You know, I had to, <laughs> I needed, I needed time in isolation just to to dwell in the loss and absorb it and process it. But I'm I'm ready to bounce back tonight, man, and, and get the get the next week in the focus. I've had time to mourn and I'm ready to move on. Yes, the the great Fifty Cent once said, "Sunny days wouldn't be so special if it wasn't for rain, and joy wouldn't <laughs> feel so good if it wasn't for pain." You know. Yeah, and I will say too, like you know, that's one of the benefits of being in six leagues. I've, I'm performing like pretty well in all all other ones, but this. But unfortunately, this one's just so weighted. You know, it's it's the main league. It's the one I care about the most, and I would trade 
all my wins in every other league uh, to be sitting at 4-0 in this week. So it's kind of a battle. I'm still happy, you know, with the fantasy and, and overall. Uh, but the team I care about most is off to a bad start with a pretty loaded roster. So I hope I hope it can turn around. For sure. Now on the opposite side of the spectrum, we have Chad, who was in a nail-biter of a matchup. And Chad, I'll let you explain. Yeah, uh, Whitley and I talk a lot offline. You know, we're texting constantly now. It's kind of the first shit we really started texting each other a lot. Um, hey, who do you, who would you start? Here's here's a, a screen video of my team. Who do you like? Who should I start? Whitley's he's he kind of went back and forth with me. I've got a couple guys. I had uh, I was down 18 points in this PPR league going into Monday night. I had Elijah Moore. I was real hot on before the season started. I still you know think he'll be okay. Deshaun may not be, so that may be a, a bust there. But um, George Pickens, and George Pickens was one of my guys this year. I really like him. I like big, tall, fast receivers who go up and catch balls. Um, and he was my guy going into the year. So I was like, man, I got to go with George. Got to go with Pickens. Playing with my brother, uh, JB, last night. And uh, I'm 0-1. And I've got a lot of injuries. Cooper Cup's hurt. Um, George Kittle's not great. Saquon may have gone down for a week. We'll see. I um, that deep slant opened up, and I'd seen where Pickens was coming from on that on that play. I just happened to be watching, and I just jumped up in the air. I was like, "Yes!" seventy five yards to the house. <laughs> it, it felt good. It felt so good. <laughs> and also, I, I I also like to play a lot of prop prop gambling. Like, I like to play a lot of money lines and. And, uh, and spreads. And last night on um, Saracen, they had a plus 1,000 on both Pickens and Olave to score a touchdown. And I'm sure you guys were watching the last <laughs> possession. Yeah. Olave scored a touchdown with one pinky toe out of bounds. And so I like to go double wow. down on my bets and my fantasy guys so that either I am just punished and in that hole that, that Zane was in or I'm <laughs> screaming and waking the baby up and my wife is just glaring at me like, I can't believe you take this seriously. <laughs> so I felt some good high last night. It felt pretty good to get a W. Yeah, yeah those are the best moments. Like, And Zane and I, High on Almond Raw this year, and like Thursday night game, he catches the first touchdown of the game. I mean, yeah, it was just running around the living room. Yeah, those moments are the best, but that was just back and forth on Elijah Moore and Pickens. And Elijah Moore had what five points, All day. and Pickens had 20. I so changed 20 something. I changed my roster like six times. It was, it was, I was going through all of my conspiratorial. Um, all of the the thoughts of like, okay, who's the NFL want to win tonight, and and everything. I was like, I gotta pick the right one, or I'll be depressed. I got lucky. I just went with <laughs> I went with my guy. Go with your guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was a bold call that that paid off, and unfortunately, to JB's expense. And like I said, I got to win it. You know, at Zane's expense, but I mean, it's a long year, and I'm sure we'll we'll pay all those forward. Um, I guess I'll play you again, Zane, and Chad will play JB again since we played so early in the year. So we will see how it plays out. Yeah, bro. Out. I'll meet you back on the day for you, Zane. Zane. In 11 weeks from now. 
Yes, sir. Yeah, and it's been just three uh, months, brother. It's been a crazy two weeks. I mean, we were talking about just top five point scores in fantasy football. We have Tyreek Hill, um, who you know we could see envisioning that happening. Cowboys defense number two, um, Puka Nakua number three, and then of course followed up by Justin Jefferson and Christian McCaffrey. So throwing the Cowboys defense and Puka Nakua in the, to the top five scoring fantasy assets is just wild. And we will dive into that a little deeper. Um, so I asked Chad and Zane to kind of come up with some takeaways and questions of what they've seen um, in week two and kind of what they see as maybe a season long trend. So I'll start with you, Chad. What do you, what do you got for us? Um, yeah. When we kind of talked about the, the points we wanted to, to think about biggest surprises so far through week, you know, two weeks, the, the first one that, just flooded me was, was Baker Mayfield. Um, and so I kind of did a little bit of a, I don't know, just below the surface dive to see what was kind of going on there. Cause it's not Baker Baker's Baker. Um, and, and I was, I saw where uh, Dave can uh, cannels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was with uh, Seattle last year. He was Gino's uh, quarterback coach and brought him back from the dead one of the top quarterbacks last year. Now he's calling plays in Tampa. Uh, Baker is not getting pressured. Um, he's he's able to – I mean, he's able to have a pocket. He's able to, to run the ball if he needs to. And he's got, you know, Mike Evans. He's got Godwin. Uh, he's got Rashad White. He's got some pretty good weapons there. They're kind of aging, but uh, – uh, Evans is. But Baker Mayfield's kind of blowing me away just because – it's Baker, you know, so that's someone to kind of watch. I think if he gets hot, he can play good. He's got Mike Evans to throw the ball down to jump balls. Um, so that was, that was the first thing that stood out to me. Yeah. What and do I'm you think a, about I'm not a Baker guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think about Baker and the boys Zane? Yeah. I mean, the bugs are definitely like, I'm not surprised. If you remember back to one of our earlier episodes, uh, one of the listener questions from Kay Wood was, who's a, you know, a great mid-round pick? And we literally said Mike Evans, right? And mm-hmm. that was literally our, our answer to the mid-round pick because of how late he was going. And we said, because all this guy does is get 1,000-yard seasons. Like, that's what everybody was excited for Olave and Garrett Wilson about. And, like, this guy does it every single year. And you don't have to spend a second-round pick on him. And sure enough, you know, he's exactly who he's always been. And you get in these situations a lot of times, and there's a lot of history of this, where you have a pretty mediocre quarterback. But if you give him three, like, pro bowl potential receivers, it's, like, hard for them not to be good. You know, even when Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions, he had the top offense and was the startable fantasy guy. And so, you know, you can be bad at quarterback. If you have great receiving core, uh, you can – you can definitely score some points and play well. And so the Bucks are not to be messed with, man, 2-0. Uh, they, they got some steam, and they look like a pretty good football team. It could fall apart fast, but they're in a bad division so far. So they might be pretty smooth sailing this year to at least make the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's neat that Chad did some digging in that quarterback's coach, who I can't even pronounce his name, who seems like he's a quarterback whisperer, you know, to revive Geno's career. Um with the Seahawks and then move on to Tampa Bay in a similar situation and do the same with Baker. Cause I mean, this is so similar to last year. There's so many parallels. I mean, 
think about the Seahawks last year. Everyone was down on them. They were down on DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as fantasy assets because it was either Drew Locke or Geno Smith and turned out to be Geno and he, you know, exceeded expectations. And this offseason, everyone was down on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And it was, was it going to be Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield? And here we go. It's Baker Mayfield. And through two weeks, Mike Evans is wide receiver number four. And Chris Godwin hasn't hasn't been exploding, but I mean he's averaging over ten points a game in PPR. So yeah, there's a lot of parallels to this year's Seahawks and um, Tampa Bay is definitely one of them. The other one I had to bring up was um, the Los Angeles Rams, and Stafford just looks like he's 27 again and just slinging it. Um, what do you guys think about the Rams? Yeah, man, I agree. Um... I was just trying to think about what they've got going for him. You know, Cooper Cup goes down. He's healthy scratch. They're trying to trade him. No one had Kyron Williams on their team to start week one. Um, but it's Stafford and McVay. You know, they're going to produce. They're going to produce at least one wide receiver. It's it's kind of proving that they're a, a system offense for your fantasy squads. I mean, Cooper Cup, yeah, he's great. But look at the guy. He's, you know. He's a, he's not your typical stud wide receiver. You bring in Puka Nakua, and 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 then all of a sudden he's getting, he's got separation. He's got, I think he's number one or number two in yards after the catch, and so they've got themselves a system guy, and they're going to take him. I mean, they seven points um, on that San Francisco offense or San Francisco defense. It's pretty impressive considering what they did week one. So I, you know, they're they're a team to watch, and their division's really really not that hard. Yeah, and we see yeah with Acres, you know, where that was just a crazy deal. Kicked off Sunday morning. The scratch and gonna be trade. Now it's Kyron Williams to the moon. Fine, yeah. So the Rams offense, man, it's it's looking good. I mean, one one thing I'm I'm looking at Matthew Stafford as basically. Like the sacrificial lamb, like he is out there absolutely slinging the rock and stacking up no fantasy points whatsoever. And the reason is, is because he's not a mobile quarterback, so he's not going to get you those those quick points. You know, the one point per ten yards and kind of stack those up on. So it's all passing yards and touchdowns. And when you have a quarterback like that that doesn't get any rushing yards, you need touchdowns. And so far, he has been slinging the ball all the way down the field, just letting the receivers just flourish and eat and stack up fantasy points and then running it with Kyron Williams into the end zone, just get him multiple touchdowns a game. He's getting nothing and the running back and the receivers are all sustaining a high level because of that, because of his sacrifice of not uh, getting any touchdowns. So, and it kind of works out because if the receivers were catching touchdowns, man, like you wouldn't want to play anybody with a Rams player on your team right now. It's the Matthew Stafford effect. He just can turn a guy to <laughs> a superstar. Uh, they they trade the whole world with Kenny Galladay in, in Detroit, you know, and <laughs> made teams pay him a lot of money, the Giants, and get nothing out of him. He'll just turn a, a guy into a superstar. It's going to be interesting when Cup comes back because, I mean, 20 targets to Pikachu. You know, one thing that I wanted to tie in because the Rams offense kind of fell into our categories last week, we did that segment, that new segment we came up with, the Fool's Gold and the Pressurized Coal. And on the pressurized coal list, we had like breakouts like Nico Collins and Rashid uh, Shahid. 
you didn't have to wait long for those, but one of the guys was Kyron Williams. And man, mm-hmm. you had to wait zero for that. Everybody was a little uncertain because Cam Akers still got 22 carries, but man, they cut him out immediately, put Kyron in. And then on the fool's gold, we talked about your guy, uh, Pikachu. And, yeah. you know, one of my points was I want to, I don't think he'll be, I think he'll be valuable for the next four weeks with what happened when, when, when Cup comes back. He got 20 targets last game. And Stafford has proven he likes to focus on one guy. So how much production is Cup going to take away? Before that game on Sunday, I thought he was going to be valuable but then fall off when Cup comes back. Now I'm kind of a believer that they're going to have two good receivers and they both might get fed a lot because the guy looks pretty good. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, they were talking about the breakdowns of where he's lining up and getting his targets and, and Cup's Cup primarily gets slot targets. Puka's primarily getting outside targets. So if they – if he comes back week five and either replaces Tutu or, or you know, gets his starting, his starting rollback, I think that's just going to be, like you said, come week five, no one's going to want to play anybody with a Rams guy on this team because those, <laughs> those, those receiving touchdowns are going to come. It's kind of yeah. – you know, they're, getting, they're getting close in the red zone – and, and they're handing the ball off, but that, that's going to flip. I mean, it's got to. So, I, you know, I've, I've got Puka on my team. I've got Cup on the IR. I paid heavily for him last week, but I felt like I had to going on one. I think I think you're right. They're gonna they're gonna be pretty dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as just some of the greatest breakthroughs in human history, I mean, the wheel was invented in the fourth millennium BC. And uh, Eli Whitney, you know, been at the Cotton Gin in the 1700s. Neil Armstrong stepped on the the moon in 1969, and then this year, 2023, we had a rookie wide receiver accumulate 35 targets in the first two weeks of the NFL um, career. So yeah, um, there's a lot from BYU. From BYU, man. Derrick Henry Um, will spend the next 15 games trying to match Pikachu's target. In the first two weeks. So Zane, what do you have as far as the surprise takeaway? Man, I, just for time constraints here, because I could go on and on, I'm going to kind of group this into some teams um, and try to do some takeaways. So I know the Vikings, you know, played Thursday, so I'm not going to dive into some of the stuff that we already talked about, but I just want to talk about Hawkinson. You know, uh, me and Whitley have hit on a lot of stuff, um, and, and we'll flaunt it when we're right. Uh, but we'll also eat some crow when we're wrong. And one of my takes was that, you know, I would pick Waller every single time over Hawkinson because of the, the receivers that are surrounding them. And so far, man, Hawkinson is just popping off. And mm-hmm. teams that have Hawkinson are winning right now. Teams that have Jefferson are winning right now. And teams that have Jordan Addison uh, making that desperate flex uh, plug if they have a guy in IR are also winning right now. So, you know, everybody on the offense is just absolutely startable. And then, you know, to group in a, another team uh, with them, the Cowboys. You know, I gotta yeah. give my I gotta give my hats off to the Cowboys, man, because I made fun of them so much. But if you had a Cowboys team, like you could have the whole your whole roster being Cowboys. And that's gonna happen. We have a guy in our league, Chris K. Wood. He literally rolls into the playoffs every year just with the entire Cowboys roster in the starting lineup. Every time he gets an injury, somebody goes down, boom, Cowboys player plug. And it, <laughs> it works. Yeah. And this year, I mean, dude, if you were starting CD, 
Tony Pollard, even Dak Prescott, Jake Ferguson's caught a, a, a touchdown and get, got even some value if you were desperate for a tight end. And then you can throw in the Cowboys defense too. If you started your oh, Cowboys my. players, uh, you're you're exploding. And the crazy part about the Cowboys is that you got Tony Pollard still putting up 20. You got CD still averaging high numbers. And that's all with the Cowboys defense being the number two score on the year. Goodness. And they don't even have to play offense. So when that when that doesn't happen and the Cowboys don't dominate on defense, man, we might get an explosion of the Cowboys offense. And every single year, every single year the Cowboys have a letdown. I think it might be different. I predict that by the end of the season, Chris Cablewood is going to have a roster full of Cowboys and he is going to be rolling into the playoffs with a whole bunch of starters that are telling themselves that this is our year. <laughs> and then it probably won't happen. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> when you got two Cowboys. So. But, I mean, this could be our year. I mean, just thinking out loud. It's our year. It looks pretty good. This is the best you've ever been. It's our year. Yeah. This yeah. is, your, this yeah, is the best chance you've had since, since before you guys were born. I'd say probably 14 was another year we could have done it, but, you know, this is – Yeah. Um, yeah. Feeling You're pretty right. good. I'm feeling good, but I'm feeling too good. Yeah. Yeah, something's got to <laughs> go wrong. Always does. I'm wait, waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Um, man, I'm, I'm going to stay on that same lane of the NFC East because the two things that are really surprising me – are man, I, I I am a Cowboys fan, but the Eagles have won two close games. You know, uh, Mac Jones put up three sixteen and three touchdowns, and Kirk Cousins put up three sixty four and four touchdowns. Now, Kirk's a beast. I every year I avoid Kirk, but here he is again, proving me wrong. Um, but am I the only one that doesn't think that you know the Eagles? are going to make it to the Super Bowl again, but, you know, losing five starting. I mean, even their defense is is, is not the best, one of the best defenses to have in fantasy. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to have Devonta on my team. love to have AJ on my team. Who knows what's going to happen yeah. in the backfield, you know, uh, when Gainwell comes back. Seems like Swift's the best one. He looked really good this week. Um, but it's yeah. it's all up in the air. Like, would start when they have all three. Uh, Penny's basically a scratch at this point, but NFC East is so strong. I don't know if the Giants – are the Giants good? Um, no. I want to say no. I'll eat some crow. I thought the Giants were going to spoil some seasons this year. But, yeah, they came back. But the first half, they looked like a completely different team. And then all of a sudden, Super Saiyan Danny Dimes showed up and and mm-hmm. they squeaked one out. Dropped a 30-burger. I think Waller's – yeah, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to still have Waller. Um, I kind of think that Jalen Hyatt's going to be the guy by the end of the year as far as the wide receivers go. Um, everyone else has kind of had their chance, and no one has stood out. And Jalen's – he's so fast. I'm, I've got him on two teams just on the roster. I'm going to keep him and wait and see three weeks, maybe four weeks, and see what happens before I start thinking about dropping him for some waivers or plugging him into some trades. Yeah, I think – as far as the Giants, their offensive line, they just have to get it going. Um, Danny Dimes can move, and when he started to roll out in the second half, it you know things started clicking. 
Um, when I saw yeah. Saquon go down and I feared, you know, that could be multi-week injury, it doesn't look like that now. So I think I kind of expect him to get it going. I believe in Brian Dayball as a coach. So I think they'll make the playoffs as a log card. And then the Eagles, I think they've got to go back to a high pace of play on offense because they've slowed down their pace. They just they just don't look the same. Um, so I think against some stout defenses, because um, the Vikings definitely aren't that, and I think against some stout defenses, they're gonna they're gonna struggle. And they have younger players. They lost a lot in free agency on the defensive side of the ball, so it's gonna take a long time for those younger players to really hit their stride. So I, I don't expect the Eagles to be as dominant throughout the regular season this year. What do you think, Zane? Yeah, I mean it was definitely sketchy, you know, watching them. Um, play on, on Thursday night. You know, Jalen Hurts didn't look that good. They kind of contained him. Um, you know, one of the biggest points was A.J. Brown. You know, is it time to panic on him and sell low? And even though I want to say no, you know, I had a I had a bad feeling right before the draft. I just had a gut weird feeling about A.J. Brown. And so I took a Monroe over him in all four leagues um, that I did that in. And I don't know how that's going to work out. A.J. Brown is so talented. It might prevail, but it's just one of the situations where with Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts seem to prefer him. The ground game looks great with, with Swift. You know, they have a great offensive line. They might just kind of transform into a running team this year and not pass as much as we saw them do at the end of last season. And A.J. Brown could be, you know, the, the sufferer of that if it happens. But, you know, speaking of that, you know, kind of downtrending looking abysmal, you know, one of uh, another surprise this weekend – I really thought that the Bears were going to, you know, bounce back a little bit. You know, I didn't really yeah. predict that. I didn't put that out there in the airwaves because I wasn't confident in it. But I really thought that Justin Fields was going to have a much bigger week um, than he did. And then he came out and they didn't even run with him. I think he had three rushing yards uh, through a lot of interceptions. The Bears are, like, getting away from what he's good at, uh, which is kind of strange. And they look really bad. I mean, there's not a single Bears player a single one Mm-mm. that you would sit here and say season long so far through two weeks, like, yeah, I'm glad I started them the last two weeks. I mean, mo- everybody, yeah. but maybe DJ Moore, you're already looking for a replacement for. And even him, you know, it doesn't look that good. Don't uh, feel good about like it. A good outlook. No. So the Bears' entire offense is just kind of pitiful right now. I kind of expect a lot more, especially after the Panthers trade. You know, they were so hype in the media, and they had, oh, a, a trio of receivers. Justin Fields going to take that next step. You know, fantasy pros had him ranked in the third round, and I'm kind of feeling crappy about drafting him in the sixth round right now. <laughs> and anybody who has Bears players is probably saying the exact same thing. Um, no running back is startable, no receiver, but DJ Moore is startable. And I'm questioning if Justin Fields is even startable. Yeah, I'm right with you. I was a Fields truther at the beginning of the year. He's in my – I've got two leagues I really care about, and the other two are – one's just getting going. One's a dynasty team I bought, and I've been building from the bottom, and so I don't care as much. But in both of my important leagues, I I targeted Fields, and I really thought he was going to break out this year, but he looked – terrible when I'm if I get a chance to watch a lot of football on Sundays I'll watch red zone I'll watch the Cowboys full game and then whatever team my quarterback plays on I'll typically try and watch as much of that game as I can and I stopped watching that after the first half like just like you said a lot of bad picks a lot of terrible no throws a lot of wide open receivers 
he just looked terrible. The Brown or the the Bears just looked so bad. I, I I'm I'm actually on the waiver this week. I'm going to spend a pretty good <laughs> portion of my fab for for yeah, Jordan Love. So, I got to put Love on my my bench and consider starting him this week. And that's in my my standard yeah. league, twelve man that I've had. We've been playing fifteen years, and I'm in yeah. dead ass last place. So it's yeah, I mean, I actually uh, I had a I had a nightmare last night. Man, woke up in a pure panic, just sweating. And I had this nightmare that I was on the ground and I, and I couldn't move. And I had a big tag over me that said, I'm a Justin Fields owner. And all, <laughs> these people were, and all these people were standing around me laughing at me. And I looked around and they had tags on them that said things like Jordan Love owner, Kirk Cousins owner, Russell Wilson owner. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had to sit there and take it, man. And it's crazy. I mean, anybody who spent a high round pick on Fields or any QB in general right now is looking at these guys popping off with waiver wire, you know, last round picks who punted the quarterback and wishing they would have done that. Yeah, the um, my surprise takeaway I was going to next is is the question: Is the elite quarterback dead? And if we look at the number one ranked quarterbacks on the year we have Kirk Cousins Jordan Love Justin Herbert Russell Wilson Patrick Mahomes we would expect Tua Anthony Richardson and Mac Jones so you don't see Justin Fields in that list you don't see Jalen Hurts in that list you don't see Lamar Jackson in that list Joe Burrow in that list so I'm gonna give you guys a glimmer of hope and just say that everyone who's been up on quarterback is not getting that payoff they expected at this point and I think the Bears' offense, if they have a brain and want to try to win football games, um, we'll just say, hey, you know, just start running. You know, Fields, you can burn DBs down the sideline. Let's just let this guy loose. So at some point this year, I feel like the floodgates will open and they'll have some design runs and just tell him to go scoot out of the pocket. So I think it's coming, yeah. but it is – it's frustrating. I mean – for anybody that's paid up quarterback. And that's, that's kind of my takeaway. Yeah. And here's the thing to that point, you know, when people are projecting these stats, they're not projecting them through week two, right? Yep. They're projecting them for 17, you know, weeks long, but we're in week two. So this is what we're focused on. And, you know, just to give you an example of that, as of right now, Baker Mayfield has more fantasy points than Josh Allen. Yep. Right. But, but you're not dropping Josh Allen and picking up Baker Mayfield. You know, you got to you got to keep your mindset on the 17 weeks, because especially come playoff time, that's the only thing that matters is who is still producing at the end of the season. And you're not going to see Baker Mayfield atop that list. Uh, you could go through a lot of receivers and running backs right now that won't make that list at the end of the season. Um, so even though, you know, it's it's attractive to go maybe drop one of these players underperforming for one of these guys, you know, be warned <laughs> in four weeks from now. Uh, that could be filling you up with a lot of regret. Yeah, year to year, things can change so much. Last year, you know, there was still a lot of late round quarterback truthers, and I've I've always been one of them. And but halfway through last season, even through week two or three, I mean, it was clear that Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Patrick Mahomes were just. And at that point, until Lamar had been hurt, those four were so above and beyond every other quarterback to where yeah. we even joked like, man, they should, those four quarterbacks should have been drafted in the first round. And now it's just completely opposite to start this year of, Hey, you know, you should have just waited and scoop somebody up off the waiver wire and not even drafted the quarterback just the same way you don't draft a kicker, you know? And 
I think it'll even out, but it's it's been frustrating. Yeah. yeah. He's got it's a seventeen week season. But for fantasy owners, you get oh and four, you go you know, you go oh three, oh and four. It's that's a tough hole to dig out of. Um, you know, obviously it can happen, it happens a lot, but it, there is some element of the panic button to say, okay, I got to go get a Jordan Love who's still on the wave of the wire yeah. just in case. But oh, I'm yeah. not going to drop Justin Fields. I still believe that Justin – I mean, as bad as his – again, I watched it. I was like, I can't watch this. Uh, as bad as it was, you go get that guy. But the, the quarterback heavy last year was so much so that in our redraft leagues that typically quarterbacks don't carry that much value. And in that league, it's six-point passing touchdown. So, you know, Patrick Mahomes had almost 600 points last year um, or 500 points last year. Josh Allen was like 30 points behind him. and Joe Burrow was up there too. There were three quarterbacks taken in the first two rounds. It went Mahomes, Hurts, and Allen. Um, and then in the next round went Herbert and Burrow. So the, the top five off the board were off in the th- first three rounds. And, and it's because of, of that that disparity last year. And now those guys are sitting here going, I spent a second round pick on this. <laughs> yeah. I'm hurting. Yeah. Cause when your second round pick doesn't pay off at quarterback, it also weakens you at some other positional, some other position um, in your roster. So your running back and wide receivers can't be stacked if you spin up on that quarterback, but mm-hmm. we'll just see how everyone navigates it. Um, and I wanted to also bring up – I like that Zane kind of took accountability for some of our misses, and that's yeah. one thing that just annoys me about people that talk fantasy football on podcasts is they never go back and say, you know, guys, I'm really sorry for last year telling you guys to draft Michael Pittman and DJ Moore and all these guys that just were epic flops and submarined your your fantasy teams. And, um, like, last episode, I think we did hit on most of our pops and flops, but – I did say Pittman was a flop and honestly through two weeks, he's, he kind of still looks like a pop. So I think I was wrong on Michael Pittman and I said Derrick Henry would be a, um, a flop and he, he definitely wasn't. I mean, he had 80 yards, quite a few touches and a touchdown. So um, just wanted to hold myself accountable for those two, but um, knock on wood, I think as far as flag plants and pops and flops, we've been, we've been doing pretty good and pretty accurate thus far. Um, my other takeaway that's really yeah. Before surprising. you before you get that takeaway, I just want to say, yeah. man, I, I I jokingly texted you the other day and was like, we might have the most accurate <laughs> podcast out there, and we're not even experts because our our fly plant episode. I mean, man, we are we are walking away with millions if we were at the casino uh, with those picks, and then even some bounce backs from last week. I mean, we missed on a couple, but man, I mean, Christian Kirk, Lockett, Amari Cooper, T Higgins. Even Adams and Lamar Jackson, you know, those are all guys on our list that we yeah. had that just came back in, in a big way. So <laughs> hopefully we're we're helping some people out. Yeah, I hope so, man. That's what it's all about. And um, I'm just concerned about the Cincinnati Bengals. And that was one that I'd nailed that I wish I wouldn't have is Joe Burrow, you know, and just saying it might be week five or six before his calf is ready. And I have Jamar Chase in two leagues, so it it's murdering me right now. Um, I was, you know, Jamar Chase thinking he was number two overall. I picked him at number three thinking I got a deal. But now I'm like, oh, gosh, I kind of wish I had Tyreek Hill or CMC. And um, 
I don't know mm-hmm. when this burrow this burrow calf is going to get better. It seems like there's another setback. He strained it again, and um, I was expecting, and or I was not expecting, but hoping for a bounce back with the Cincinnati Bengals, and instead we got a nutcrack. Um, other than T Higgins, so uh, what do you guys think about the Bengals? Like, talk me off the the water tower here. I can't. I, I took <laughs> yeah. him one one. I, I mean, I think I it's him, time like, to panic. One overall. I think it's definitely time to panic, man. I mean, if it's been <laughs> that bad with with Burrow there and Jamar Chase has been a, a flop so far. Joe Mixon has been a flop. You know, just getting very little points. And then you turn around and look at the fact that T. Higgins had a, a zero-point game, and now we're talking about <laughs> Burrow not being there, one of the best QBs in the league, and I couldn't even name the backup at this point in time. So it's going to be rough waters. If they weren't doing well in the first two weeks, I don't see it getting any better. And even though T. Higgins had a huge bounce back, I mean, Burrow favors him in the red zone. Is the backup going to? We don't know. They might just try to run it with Mason. It could be uh, it could change the entire dynamic of that that offense. Yikes! What do you think, Chad? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, it's tough to panic right now. Um, I got an offer. In fact, I got an offer today, Bonta Smith and uh, Ramondre Stevenson for for Chase, and I was like, it kind of pissed me off. I was like, man, I need those guys, <laughs> but it's the number one pick. I, I had I had in one one one. That's what that's who I took. Um, you know, super super high on him before the season starts. I'm not. I'm not not high on him still. You know, the trend is not great, and I'm probably going to keep him just because. Yeah, I could screw you, Bob. That's why I don't offer me that trade. Take my number one guy, but I, you know, <laughs> I am. I'm yeah. concerned. I am concerned. I'm, you know. In, in fact, our, our, our Sacco punishment is we have to film our own NFL combine and and then put it on social media wearing like the little bib and the, you know, the short shorts and stuff like that. So I'm getting back. I'm getting back in the gym this week, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Chad, Chad, I could I could hear the pain in your voice when you were just yeah. reflecting on taking Jamar Chase at 1-1 over Jefferson and McCaffrey and man, I mean, I've never seen you before, man, but I'm guessing you have some hair on your chest uh, after doing that. Was it the quiver in my voice that gave me? (laughs) (laughs) I could see your eyes just staring a a thousand miles, dude, when you were reflecting on it. Blankly. Oh yeah. 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 Cause Um, I've been there, bro. um, I've I've been there recently, dude. (laughs) Yeah. We our um our sack so place punishment for our suspended league spend twenty four hours in a waffle house and yeah. um for every waffle that'll go good with my weightlifting. <laughs> yeah. That's way that's way too dangerous for me, bro. That's it's dangerous and um <laughs> for every waffle you consume you deduct an hour off. But um yeah, if things would have went south in week two, I would have just told the family, like, get in the car, we're going to Waffle House. I gotta, you know, <laughs> I got to just sit in, in my in my dark thoughts and just practice eating a bunch of waffles and, and just kind of get <laughs> get my mind wrapped around finishing the last place. But, yeah, the combine thing, I think that's brilliant. When you sent me that, and I think Keith was um, yeah. was last place last year, and he had the tights yeah. on. He was running the cone drill in the 40. Yeah, it, oh they announced gosh, the 40-yard dash, which was like uh, 
It's like, and he ran this 40 in 596. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to send that to Zane, man. Like, I can't believe that. That needs man. to be on Twitter. That would go viral, man. You had the background music. The da, 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 da. Like, oh, yeah. my gosh. It was everything about it was perfect. Yep. Catching slants. It's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. What's another takeaway? We we pretty well touched all on on everything I wrote down. You guys had a lot of the similar thoughts that I had. Um, just to me, the, the I'd say that the biggest takeaway is I want all the Rams going forward. <laughs> yeah, for time constraints here, I'll just run through my final takeaways. Um, but you know, George Pickens, you know, had a conversation with Zan in our league, and you know, we were he was debating George Pickens or Tyler Algier, and you know, one argument I made, I was like, dude, George Pickens, you know, Dante Johnson's down. He's going to be the number one. Um, so that's a pretty high opportunity. Tyler Algier, you know, I'm kind of anticipating turning back into a pumpkin. But, you know, if you're looking for a floor play, all the experts are saying Algier. And then we saw that just go one direction uh, for Pickens and the other direction for Algier. Uh, he turned into a pumpkin, just like I kind of predicted last week. B. John Robinson was going to be the alpha and, and take over. And then George Pickens, man, just through the moon. You know, one thing that has been his, his downfall is that he just doesn't get the opportunities, right? Like, you have to have those, no matter how talented you are, to, to put up good fantasy numbers. And he just was not getting them. And now, yeah. with Deontay Johnson going to the IR out four weeks, he has all the opportunity in the world, and everybody was wondering, what is he going to do with it? And, man, he looked electric. <laughs> Every time he touched the ball, you're like, this guy is a, is a deer out here he's just better than everybody else he's clearly yeah, hats than off Johnson. To... he's faster yeah he really is and hats off to early chad has been on pickings i missed on pickings i i was kind of steering clear and he has a route tree and separation to earn targets at a high level but this deontay ir situation has opened the door big time and it'll take a while for Deontay to get physically right again to earn targets. And then also in the offense, they're going to be in the season before that. And Pickens could be rolling by then. So um, I was ready to just write him off completely if like Allen Robinson out-targeted him in game two. But that was not the case. <laughs> it's, it's, wheels up. it's wheels up for Pickens, man. Bro, listen. I just want to say, if you if you fell, if you fell into an Allen Robinson trap, bro, then I am laughing at you <laughs> all the way from North Carolina. I, I was just um, sitting there thinking. Uh, like, no, no, I'm not you. I'm just saying. It, I'm just saying in yeah. general. Like, if anybody, yeah. I know you didn't, but if anybody did, like, you know better, Whitley. I, I know better, but you know, some people might have might have fallen into that trap. But yeah, I mean, the the, the most exciting thing about George Pickens is the fact that. It's a, it's a new situation, right? Like one of the most disappointing things that I try to steer clear of that I think are traps are when you have a guy who's been given the opportunities and he's not producing. But when you have a guy like Pickens who he just simply has never gotten the opportunity, there's no evidence that says that he can't produce at a high level if given that. And everybody kind of thought that, yeah, he could. Why is he not? And then they finally just unleashed him. And so you have all these scenarios and, and historically – where once a guy gets that opportunity, he never looks back. And the team is just like, all right, it's yours <laughs> until you're not playing like this. And they just never look back, man. And they just become uh, what we call league winners. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. He has the the upside, that high end upside that you look look for when you're a smart fantasy football drafter. Unlike myself, because I didn't see it in Pickens. So and Pickett's oh, really you got plenty. Yeah, Pickett's really not um, playing at a high level either. <laughs> so I mean, he has a much higher ceiling if the Steelers' offense and Pickett can really get it going. Um, my last takeaway, to be short and sweet, is just there's no Chiefs wide receivers or running backs that are going to pay the fantasy bill for your, your football team. Um, and I, that's strange that, you know, we're saying bye, bye, bye on the Buccaneers and the Rams. And I, I'm not going to trust Sky Moore after the touchdown. Um, I'm not going to trust Darius Tony. I'm not going to trust Pacheco, CEH, Derek McKinnon, um, Reshi Rice, all those guys. It's not happening. So Mahomes and Kelsey, and, and that's it for me. Do, do you guys have any pushback on that? I got I some pushback you. on on our previous statement, bro. Okay. okay. When so. when uh when when Whitley said that you know he, he's mad that he kind of missed and and blew it with George Pickens, uh, don't let him fool you. This man has a loaded bench. Uh, he <laughs> if George Pickens was on the uh, the waiver wire today, he would have to have an honest conversation about with himself if he even has anybody on his bench that he would drop for him. Um, so <laughs> I'm glad that he did miss. Or else he'd be put on the, the Thanos glove. <laughs> the Thanos glove. <laughs> I've gotten lucky on some stashes. But um board. Yeah. And that <laughs> Pikachu, Nico Collins. Man, this man's bench could start and still be like second place in the league in the first two weeks. Yeah, and that kind of leads us into the fab the fab strategy. So Chad, we'll start with you. Like what what is your kind of fab strategy? We'll talk general fab strategy and then get into some specific guys through these first few weeks. But what's your fab strategy? Are you an early spender? Do you want to save? Um, what's your mindset? It, it's kind of year to year. Um, I feel like every, every second, third year after week one, week two, there's a few guys that, that are, that are out there that are just total surprises, whether it's a rookie or it was somebody who was traded or something like that. Where I feel like, like obviously the two Williams this year. Um, if it's one of those seasons where you've got have the opportunity and have the talent, I'm of the mindset to go ahead and go spend that money. Like um, even if it's for the league changers, and you got to go get them. out or the guys like I said are league changers I'm a big fan of saving as much as you possibly can and of course it depends on you know your league rules like one in one league one year we can keep anyone that we drafted who's on our roster at the end of the year if you draft them in, or you bought them in fab so they can be one you know one of your keepers so if you save all your money and something pops up at the end of the year you know you can you can steal someone away for the next year I like to. Everybody obviously likes to have all their all their fab for as long as they can. You get into the playoffs where you have to start. You know, you know injuries happen. You got to pick up a tight end. You got to pick up a defense. You're looking at your um, your playoff defenses. Who's got the the easiest schedule? That kind of you'll have as much money to go and get that defense. It's going to help you win your league or whoever it's going to be. Uh, that's always nice. But like years like this, I tried to go get Kyron in every, every single league or not Kyron Puka, every single league that I could and paid up as much as I possibly could. I missed him in the league. Um, I drafted him in a league, um, picked him up before the season started. 
uh, in a couple, but I wanted him on all the, all the teams and I wouldn't spend. So it just yeah. really just depends on, on, on what's available. Yeah. I think that's a good philosophy. Um, on Puka specifically, I'm going to give kudos to Zane and you because I drafted him in a dynasty league. I didn't really, I'm not going to act like I knew what was going to happen at all. I put him on my taxi squad in dynasty, but um, in Zane and I's league, I spent up 25 for him and Zane was the only other guy that bid on him. Um, and then in, in our league, Chad, you, you spent $31 and I had offered 16 and then Kerr offered 15. So, I mean, people weren't really lining up to get him um, when waivers hit before week two, which is kind of crazy just how the rocket ship has taken off since, since then, um, anybody would, a lot of people would probably say I'd spend a hundred fab on him now. Um, but what do you think Zane, as far as just overall fab strategy and let's start with Puka specifically after that. Yeah. I mean, so basically on the, on the fab strategy, you know, me and you had a conversation in the summer sometime and we were discussing fab and I said, you know, one of my regrets from last year is holding on to it too long. Yep. And I got late in the season and had a ton of fab. No player really ever, you know, popped up. That was the changing, you know, past week 11. And it won't always be like that. But it was just a scenario last year. And I ended up just like, you know, just spending a bunch of fab on top, you know, waiver defenses to stream for the playoffs just to make sure that I, I got them, you know, because I had the fab to spend on it. And so – uh, you know, I discussed, you know, I wish I would have spent more earlier on a splash player that could have had an impact. And of course, you know, it stings really bad when you spend a lot of fab and you miss on that. Yep. You know, I just heard a rumor, have no idea the truth behind it, but they're saying that the, the Browns have contacted the Colts about a trade for uh, Jonathan Taylor. And so like, if you go spend, you know, 60 fab tonight on Jerome Ford, which would be a pretty good play that could, yeah. you know, work out really nice. Uh, if that doesn't happen, but something like that could just completely blow it up. You know, we oh, see yeah. from Ford fall back to second string and you just spend all your fab. So it's risky, but from my previous experience, it seems like if you spend the fab early on a guy like Jerome Ford, you know, it works out pretty well for you. And yeah, going into Puka, I mean, with Force all that, spent 25 big ones on him. That can kind of sting the morning of, you know, knowing that the, the next highest bid was me at six. And I actually got that voided because I got Kenneth Gainwell. Um, yeah. And, you know, he basically could have got him for free. But 25 doesn't seem so bad now. Based on his production, you're, you're glad he took that chance. Because what if somebody did bid more and 25 is what it took? Uh, going in your, in your other league, I saw that you spent 16 and – had Chad not spent 31, you would have beat Kerr up by a dollar. And listen, folks, I hate to blow Whitley's cover here, but if you're <laughs> in his league, do not put an even multiple of five number into the fab. He He's going to take that player every single time from you. He is going to put in that extra dollar knowing that your how your mind works and will automatically just round it off to a multiple of five. You will lose to Whitley. Stop doing that. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Zane. Yeah, and you can cut that part out if you want to, Whitley. No, but... I won't. <laughs> I'm not people know. Yeah, and then for you know, Kyron is another big name. If he's not already gone, or you know, he was there last week, pretty much everywhere. Um, I, I felt the donkey here. You know, like we said, we kind of own up to our mistakes. I debated all night long who I wanted more, Kyron or Gainwell. 
Gamewell was looking like the RB1. They gave Akers 22 carries. There's always that off chance that, hey, we just stick with Akers. Um, and so I put originally 17 in for both. I ended up putting a couple more dollars in to make Gamewell a higher priority. Got him. I paid for it because I would have got Kyron if I didn't do Gamewell because me and Adam both spent $17 and I had the waiver priority. Um, I saw that J-Rob spent 18 in your league, Kerr 15. So everybody was kind of on the same page around the value of him on the fab, which is good to see. You kind of know that you're in a competitive league when you see that. And now after just one more week, we're like, oh, man, <laughs> he might have been worth way more than that. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of feel like a fool for taking game will after seeing Swiss performance. Yeah, it's just it unfolds so fast sometimes. I mean, and like you said, it could – it could turn on a dime. I mean, the Rams could trade for Jonathan Taylor or sign Kareem Hunt. And like you said, Kyan Ford, any of these guys, their value could just go down the toilet at a moment's notice. Um, just like with the Gainwell, I mean, I thought the Gainwell was a savvy play. Um, I was still holding on to some some guys on my, on my bench. They kind of kept me from that, or I, I would have been bidding on Gamewell as well. So, and I mean, there's misses just like there's hits as far as these fab free agent waiver wire targets like Justice Hill and Josh Kelly. I mean, so far haven't haven't paid off like those who spin up um, for them envisioned it would. So, do you have any thoughts, Chad, as far as Kyron Puka, Jerome Ford, some of these hot waiver wire topics? Yeah, I think you just kind of got to approach it like all else being equal. Yep. Information as you would have preseason, you know, and you have an opportunity to go get the guy. So I say go spend it and go get it. And if Ford, yeah, you know, like you said, if if JT goes to Cleveland, yeah, that's uh... yep. For sure. Too, you know, you've got an instant starter, so I think it's worth it to go. Yeah, I agree. And like Zane referenced that combo we had earlier this this summer and just we kind of arrived at the conclusion of, well, if you are going to spend your fab, you might as well do it earlier because you get more weeks out of that player you paid for. If you kind of wait till week 10 to spend all your fab on somebody, you know, you get maybe six useful weeks out of them throughout Mm -hmm. throughout that season, the back end of it. So. If you hit on somebody early, you get season-long upside to, to bolster your roster. Um, another topic is um, just target share. And um, this is Chad's idea, and I think it's great just to kind of recap some of these top target share earners. Um, mm-hmm. I have like a list that I sent you of just of you guys with the number of targets. So not necessarily target share, but just number of targets and – we got to, again, think in context. I mean, some of these guys on this list are going to – their targets are going to start dwindling comparing, compared to the rest of the league just as their offenses aren't put in a game script to sling it. And so some of these offenses, I wonder, like, will Houston, Indianapolis, um, the Rams, to the extent that they have so far, keep on throwing so many passes? I mean, even Mac Jones in New England's thrown a lot of passes. So – Um, there's guys on this list that I don't think will be here at the end, but like, I mean, as we mentioned, Puka has 35 targets, which is insane. The next closest is 10 targets lower. Justin Jefferson, um, at 25, Tyreek Hill at 24, Michael Pittman, 23, Alave, Collins, Stephon Diggs, Kendrick Bourne, and Higgins are all in that 2021 mark. 
So is there anything that sticks out to you guys about targets or anybody that's surprised or disappointed you as far as targets? I'll start with you, Zane. Um, no, not really. Um, well, yeah, I mean, yes, of course. Yes, of course. But, you know, it's just kind of expected, right? Because this always happens. In the first couple of weeks, there's always some really odd players in in the top top of the charts. Like, hardly yep. ever do you look at a leaderboard after two weeks, and it's like, oh, all the guys that were drafted in the first and second round are all up there, you know, expected. Otherwise, you know, drafting wouldn't be so difficult, and you wouldn't have such a, a high range of varieties in the outcomes of how good people's teams are. Um, so, you know, obviously you see your common names like Jefferson, you know, Olave was kind of a name that was thrown out there that was expected and Diggs, um, Higgins for having a zero point week, you would never imagine he'd be on that list, but then you have all the random guys, you know, Bourne, Collins, Pittman. It's like, can those guys sustain that? And the answer is probably not. Um, Pittman's, I mean, they're all going to be valuable, but you know, like Bourne's one of those guys that you're back on the waiver wire by week five. Um, so, some of them are sustainable, some are not. Even the great Pikachu himself, you know, 39% target share, which you told me earlier, um, is groundbreaking. 30, you mentioned that 35 targets in the first two weeks is, <laughs> like, up there with all the other greatest yeah. beats in human history. Um, so is that sustainable when Cup comes back? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, you know, there's some, some definitely some surprises, but not surprising the fact that we kind of saw this coming and you know we're not expecting some of these names to continue to be on that list moving forward i like it what do you think chad yeah i agree i mean largely i agree the guys that you expected are there some guys that you didn't expect were there but i think there's a couple guys that that maybe i didn't expect but if if i kind of dig a little bit further into kind of what's going on with the team like for instance houston um i mean the best Ohio State quarterback play right now is coming out of Houston, which is says not that much. Um, but it's, you know, Stroud's throwing the ball. He likes Nico Collins. They're about to get Larry Meetunzel back. Um, I think that Nico has some sustainability in this. Um, I also think that Tank Dell's going to end up being pretty good. Uh, I think that Tank's getting a lot of, for a rookie, getting a lot of, uh, I think he got 10 targets this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think someone checked me on that, but I, I think that Nico is someone I'd like to have on my teams um, at the top there. Jacoby Myers has been a huge surprise. I don't think that sustains. Uh, I just Robert Woods, same thing. Houston's, I mean, they're throwing the ball a lot, but I think Robert Woods is number three there or will be yep. number three. But, but kind of a nice surprise for a lot of the people that said Calvin Ridley wasn't going to be as big of an impact with Christian Kirk. So Christian Kirk had a big week this week. And I think, I think that may be one of those duos that just trades off with a sprinkle in of Evan Ingram every once in a while with a 30 point PPR game, you know, um, Calvin Ridley's going to have his day. Christian Kirk's going to have his day. So it's going to be tough kind of trying to pick which of those is going to be, but if you've got Calvin, you probably don't have Christian and vice versa. So um, it, it's kind of hard to pick who the winners are going to be, but, Obviously, anyone on the Chargers, all of those guys, Keenan, Mike, hopefully Quentin Johnson will eventually get some some pops. But um, no no real surprises based on the volume of passing on some of these teams that are up here. Definitely. And on the running back targets, we're tracking there too. Mostly playing PPR leagues. So running back targets are, are very, very valuable. 
and pretty indicative of of fantasy points. Um, Kyron Williams is um, Tony Pollard and Bijan all are have a left. Um, James Cook yep. Mixon and ten and then Josh Jacobs from under Stevenson. Waiver wire Darshan Johnson and Javante Williams with nine targets. So our our top echelon of target earners at the running back. Then you got anybody that pops off um page to you? Uh yeah. I mean that, that list is absolutely mind boggling and it's scary. It it takes me straight to a scary place. Um <laughs> with running backs because unfortunately half that list of the top most targeted running backs are guys that you're not even excited about through the first two weeks to have on your team. Like if you have mm-hmm. Joe Mason, Madison, Jameer Gibbs, Roshan Johnson, uh, Josh Jacobs, Javante Williams. I mean, most of the names on that list are guys like, mm, like I'm not that excited about having this guy. And those are the top targeted running backs in a PPR league, which is like what you're trying to hit on. And so basically everybody's missing on that. There's random guys getting touchdowns and random guys catching the passes and none of it equates into a lot of fantasy statistics uh, for your, for your squad. And so it's a scary place to be. Um, but at the same time, I mean, what a random year so far. I, we, we talked all, all season about how this was the year that you need to build your team around wide receivers. And so far we're right because the running backs has just been, a big pit of abysmal outcomes with no consistency, no predictability, and you're better off having the, the receivers that are getting you the points, which is a good bit of them, and plenty of waiver wire streams you know, on that as well. So um, it's kind of a mind-boggling uh, statistics there with the, with the leaders and running backs. Yeah. From APAL, he asked it on Spotify. It just said, hey, guys. Thanks for dropping all the knowledge. Tell me about those to hold on their starting jobs. Talking mm-hmm. about the instability. Um, are there any that come? You Chad, as far as running backs, you're a little concerned about that workload. Yeah. Um, you mentioned eating crow earlier and owning it. Um, when Preston drafted Najee Harris for like 22 bucks. I said, Hey man, I think, I think that Najee's going to be good on a better offense this year. Mm-mm. No, um, <laughs> Najee's, Najee's not good. He's, he's slow. Jalen Warren looks so much better out of the backfield. He's, he's had 12 targets. Um, I think Jalen Warren's going to by far exceed Najee as the year goes on. Um, and then uh, there's probably a couple of them that, Jameer Gibbs obviously is going to get a bigger role now if David Montgomery is going to be out a little bit. So that's, that's going to be someone that somebody's going to hit on. I mean, Jameer Gibbs is, you know, one of my favorite players to watch. So that's kind of an obvious one, but one that I think is kind of a hot take is Alexander Madison, you know, through two weeks has 10 targets. And I don't think that Alexander Madison is the best running back on that team. Um, He's more of a veteran. He's had more opportunity and he's, he's fine. He's what the team needs. But I think Ty Chandler is someone that I stash on most of my teams. He's faster. He's a pass catcher. I think that if any type of injury or setback for Alexander Madison, I think that Ty Chandler is going to get a bigger role. And I think he's just going to 
potentially take over. That's I'll call that a hot take because it may never happen, but I could definitely see that being a replacement. And last one I'd touch on is Rashawn Johnson. If the Bears can get it going, which I have major doubts about at this point, I think Rashawn's the guy there. You know, he was behind Bijan or Bijan in, in Texas. I think he played three or four years. I think, yeah, I think he was a four-year senior. He's big, he's fast, he can pass protect, and he's the only one who's catching passes. So um, those are kind of the four guys that, that really stand out to me that are going to maybe, you know, take over what was not their starting role. Yeah, I had Najee. So, and Roshan, you know, nice. overtaking Herbert. Yeah, so uh, what, what do you got, Zane? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think that this question could – almost get a new perspective and even be better answered if we just rewinded the clock, you know, two, two weeks ago and looked at some of the names on the list that we had in this category back then, two weeks ago. And if you compare it back then, you know, there's questions about Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Um, there's questions about how long Raheem Mostert could hold down the starting job. Uh, there was even questions, you know, we saw Stevenson's draft stock plummet with, with Zeke um, there's questions about DeAndre Swift, and I mean the list goes on and on. You know, you could even go down as far as saying, you know, we were even questioning David Montgomery, uh, Jameer Gibbs, and even Najee and, and Warren. And then if you look now at that exact same list, I mean, you're pretty much narrowing it down to the three we discussed, right? <laughs> the, the, the three that we've already yep. hit on, and maybe I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw Miles Sanders into that category yet, but they they use oh Chuba Wuba a good bit, but you know, now that list is pretty much straight down to that three. And I actually think that the percentage of RB ones that have locked down the position that we thought were going to be the RB ones is actually much, much higher now than it was two weeks ago. Um, so, you know, with that being said, I think that the RB ones are pretty set in stone at this point in time, and they are more of what everybody expected them to be. But then you ask yourself, <laughs> what have you gotten from them? You know, are you even excited mm -hmm. about having running backs this year in general? <laughs> so that, that's what makes it so scary. It is what we thought it was, and it's still not good. It's still not good. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of put a bow on It's in a prior podcast that more seems like the Tony Pollard and Zeke where – and I kind of just couldn't connect the dots because I thought surely Najee's just too young. That fast like Zeke. But it's the same thing playing out. Just like Tony Pollard where he won't have all the touches, but he's going to be so efficient with them. Um, just like Chad mentioned, when you see them running the ball, it's, it's undeniable. So, and I think the coaching staff will feed Warren more Najee's, you know, his ineffectiveness is, is going to hurt. Madison and Chandler, same situation. Herbert, one that we haven't mentioned that I am concerned on, um, we mentioned last episode was Damian Pierce. And he just hasn't gotten the um, the targets. He hasn't gotten the receiving work. Um, his, his snap share is not that good to begin with. And then, like we mentioned when we were talking about CJ Stroud is like, they need their offensive line to get healthy again. They have four injuries. So it might be more of a offensive line and game script problem for him, but his usage has not looked good. So there's, there's really nobody there that could 
that should overtake him talent wise, but man, it's been pretty dismal for Damian Pierce. And then it makes me also think about guys like Zach Moss, who just got a huge bulk of the work in week two, but we have so much uncertainty with like, Hey, we assume Jonathan Taylor will stay with the Colts and come back week five. And so Moss, Moss could have a couple more weeks of this, or it could be season long. If, if one of these trade rumors is actually not just smoke and Jonathan Taylor is traded. And then you have Zach Moss as, you know, a a big time player for the rest of the year. So he's probably not out there in, in most smart leagues. Um, but if he is, I would definitely go go scoop him as fast as possible just for the possibility that Jonathan Taylor is traded. Um, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You guys have anything else as we uh, wrap up the episode? Yeah, I just don't want to say, man, I don't know if you noticed, but in the Spires League, I literally started Zach Moss this week because uh, I'm a psycho. Um, I still got blown out, but still risky move that, that paid off. He was like my highest performer on the week. And then uh, the last thing I want to say, man, I know we cover fab and some strategies there, but I just want to give it a shout out in general. Um, Whitley had me switch to fab probably like two or three years ago uh, from the inverse standings. And like, man, it was eye opening. You know, the fab is just so great. If you don't use fab in your league, please do. Uh, I, I haven't played in an inverse, you know, standings league in probably three years and I'm in one this year. And I never realized, you know, for all those years we were in that, um, how communist it felt, you know, just sitting, <laughs> sitting like, oh yeah, like I make a lot of money, so I get to, I get to pick last. Um, it was crazy, and Fab is just like freedom, and it's just next level, man. You know what I mentioned in my story about Willie earlier. You know, don't fall victim to the uh, the multiple five. He got me like two years ago, and like I was ashamed of myself. It was, it was hard to look in the mirror. I bid like $10 and he bid like 11 and it was on like Michael Pittman and it was the year he just broke out. And I had to just sit in that all year long, uh, watch yeah. him <laughs> pop off with Pittman. And I, you know, I fell victim to it. And I was like, how, how could I possibly put 10 knowing that everybody's going to put that? And so then it became this battle. You know, I always sit oh, in the dark yeah. at night and, and have a psychological unspoken psychological warfare with Whitley and I, like it was like a rabbit hole and like man like he's gonna bid 11 so I'm gonna bid 12 but he's actually gonna know that I'm on to him now and he's gonna know that I'm bidding 12 and bid 13 so I had the big 14 and it's just like this, this psychological warfare and sure enough there's been so many times where you know it's popped up on the waiver wire and one of us outbid the other by a dollar <laughs> <laughs> it's a chess match. So, yeah. so shout out to the fab man. Everybody's got to transition over to that. Yeah, we we, we kind of have a little running joke that, that the um, inverse standings waiver wire belongs in a league with 12 people who've never played fantasy before. Um, <laughs> it belongs in a league with 12 people who've never played fantasy before with two running backs, three wide receivers, no flex, standard scoring. That's where that that's where that belongs. Yeah. yeah, standard scoring, exactly, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the sure, uh, man. Tim Tebow awesome. on somebody's roster. Tim Tebow, exactly. Yeah, it's been a fun episode. I, I really enjoyed it, guys. I think as far as just to wrap it up, I mean, we're just saying don't panic, you know, be smart. Don't don't make emotional decisions. Just stay grounded, even if your team's in a hole. And um, look at the underlying data usage to make your decisions. And just like Zach did with, or, or Zach, Zach, just like Zane did with Zach Moss, 
and Chad did with Puka and Pickens, like go with your gut and start your guys. So we're never on this pod going to answer start sit questions. When you bring us two guys, we're just, we might give you some information and let you come to that decision. And the same with fab, but we'll discuss, discuss teams and philosophies and players, but we want everyone to just like go with your gut, make your own decisions and live or die with that. And it feels so good when it pays off. Like, he said, even though you took the L, but you started Zach Moss and I started Puka in a couple of leagues. And it's just, it's a good feeling when you just go out on a limb and, and make that, make that decision and see it pay off every now and then. But anything else you guys want to cover before we sign off? Yeah, that, that's called, we're throwing that back to the, to the 1980s, man. That's called dialing it up, bro. Getting that old phone out, dude, and just letting the numbers rip, putting all the right pieces in. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Well, I enjoyed it, and um, again, Chad is heavily involved with BroThrow.com, so if anyone's listening and hasn't been there, go to www.BroThrow.com if you like sports betting. Um, I won't get to plug it in our episodes, and like I said, go check it out, um, bet on some games this football season, and we will um, be back with a week three preview and this is the end of episode 11. Thank you guys. Thanks guys.